Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to James, the third chapter. I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to introduce this Sunday. Some of it will sound familiar, but the Lord showed me a lot of different things about our words. A kingdom principle. We... We are born from above. If you are born again, if Jesus Christ, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, then whether you realize it or not, if you believed in your heart, not in your head, but if you believed, I mean believed in your heart, that God sent his only begotten son, if you believe in your heart that he walked and lived a sinless life for you, and that he went to that cross took the penalty for all of mankind's sin, all the penalty of disease and sickness, poverty, separation from God, that if you actually suddenly make the decision, it's a decision. It doesn't mean you understand it. You don't understand God with the brain. God is a spirit. It's something that happens in the spirit of man, remember. It doesn't happen in the head. You have to renew your mind to what God has said in his word. But if that fire went off in you and you said, I believe, remember what the Bible says, whether you understand or not, in heaven's economy, what heaven saw, you were translated, it says, instantaneously out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. Hallelujah. You better say hallelujah at some point because... You've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. This is going to get important, but darkness is everywhere out there. Do you know that? You are aware of that, right? Darkness and all the multitude of its forms. But I, so I, God, I wrote this down when I was praying about this over the week. I'm just going to read what I wrote. One thing that, please listen, have ears to hear. One thing that must be understood before anyone can successfully be a man or a woman of faith is this. No man has a choice of whether or not he lives by words, but he has the choice of what words he lives by. I'm going to say it again. One thing, this must be understood before anybody can successfully be a man or a woman of God. No one has a choice of whether or not he lives by words, because this book teaches that everything about the kingdom has to do with words. It does. And we're going to discover that more and more. So no one has a choice about that. We live. The kingdom of God functions through words. God created the heavens and the earth. Light be. It says he's, you all know that, but see, we got to really think about it. He's in you now, remember. We've been made in his likeness and in his image. Well, he spoke everything into existence. That's just the truth. Amen? Well, that's the first pattern. It's called the law of first, of, of, it's called the law of first mention when you study scripture, study the Bible. It's the very first pattern that's given in the book of beginnings. He spoke things into existence. We're made in his image. Whether you know or not, think it so or not, makes no difference. You and I 
form Hebrews. We form, fashion, and frame our, wor our, our worlds by the words that we speak. And as we used to say a long time ago, it almost freaks you out, but we today are the culmination of all of our words yesterday. But why? But see, your, your future, the thing is, God is so gracious. Please be, I want you to be encouraged because your future is as good as your speaking. So we are going to take a granted, but I'm going to read it again. No man has a choice. In other words, it's just the way the kingdom works. No one has a choice whether or not he lives by words, but we do have the choice of what words we're going to live by. And James 3, familiar scriptures. James says, again, I read from the Amplified Bible, so I know it's uh, wordy, but that's okay. We need to hear. Starting verse 2, James 3, 2. For we often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, if anyone does not offend in speech, now this is God's word. I didn't write this, right? If anyone does not offend in speech, if he never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man. The word perfect in the Bible always means mature. He is a fully developed character and a perfect or mature man. He... In other words, if we know about words, we will be able to control our whole body and to curb our entire nature. That's enough scripture right there just to go home with. Anybody here awake? Good. Every once in a while, somebody, David, I command you to say amen once in a while. Please help me out. Say it. You've got to do louder than that. Thank you. Now, right from the beginning, hear this. It says, like in the Amplified, never says the wrong things. Well, remember, we're going to learn after a while. Maybe we'll get to it later. We know that nobody is perfect in that they never speak wrong things. But that's where the blood of Jesus comes in. That is doing a continuous work. This washing machine, this washing machine, this agitator, this washing machine, that is the blood of Jesus, is continually working, thank God continually working us. If we're just honest about what we do know, the blood always takes care of what we do not know. That's another part, but another time. Verse 3, and James gives us classic, if we set bits in the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Verse 5. Even so, everybody say even so. And I mean, just like, just like what? Just like the tiller or the rudder on that ship. Just like the bit in the mouth of a horse. Even so, the tongue. The tongue. Oh, my God. The tongue is a little member, and it can boast of great things. But look or see how much wood. How great a forest fire can a tiny spark set ablaze? Verse 6. The tongue is a fire. Just say that. The tongue. The tongue is a fire. 
the tongues of fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set amongst our members that will contaminate and deprave the whole body. And this is the important part in the Greek. It says, and it will set on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature being itself ignited by hell or Gehenna. What it says there, when you study it out, if you did a whole word study through the whole it, the main thing it's trying to communicate is this. The tongue initiates. The tongue starts things in motion. It's not saying that it happens instantly, but the tongue is what sets things in motion. Do you hear me? It starts the cycle of human nature. It's, it begins that cycle. And then he goes on to say, and this is important, he said, for every kind of beast and bird or, and bird or reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius or nature. Verse 8, a lot of people misunderstand verse 8. But the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable, evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue of man, the human tongue can be tamed by no man. But see, here's what you've got to understand. You're no normal man anymore. In Christ, when you begin to yield to the kingdom of the kingdom of God and His principles, you definitely can and do begin to tame this thing, because you begin to train and yield your members to righteousness. So even though you see in your human in your humanity in your human nature, you cannot tame this thing, man. It'll tear people up. But as you come to Christ, and as you begin to move in God, and you begin to allow God to move in you, you begin simply, your whole vocabulary changes. A new nature. You no longer have the nature of sin, because Christ took it and nailed it on the cross. Now the very nature of God resides in you. And you train, you begin to train yourself to speak from your spirit. You learn to slow down. Let every man be slow to speak. You learn how to slow down and think before you speak because you begin to, when you begin to understand the impact of words, you can begin to use them like Jesus did. One man said so many years ago that Jesus Christ used words like a surgeon uses a scalpel. Precision. Our tongue is a sword. It can either heal like a scalpel, like we always used to say, in that a scalpel in the hands. A scalpel isn't in and of itself evil, but a scalpel in the hands of a wrong person can kill you. The very same scalpel in the hands of an adequate, or good rather, surgeon can save your life. So it's not the fault of the scalpel, it's whose hands it is in. And it's just like this. So it's when you yield your tongue to God, and it's like an exercise. Everything's an exercise of consecration. In other words, it's a, it's a determination. It's a decision. And I'm going to yield my mouth. I'm going to yield my tongue before you. Like David said, oh, God, set a guard on my mouth that I sin not against you with my tongue. And you begin to see all these places. But keep this in mind as we begin. To, I'm just introducing this now. We're going to do work on this for a couple of Sundays. You have no choice in this matter. You will live by the words you speak. 
you, that because it's a, we live in a world, a word rather, a word currency, a word-oriented kingdom. He goes on to say, verse 9, with it, the tongue, verse 9, with it we bless the Lord and the Father, and with it we curse men who were made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not to be so. Verse 11, does a fountain send forth simultaneously from the same opening fresh water and bitter? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine figs? Neither can a salt spring furnish fresh water. I'm just going to stop there. But he says, just like the bridle and the horse, just like the tiller on a ship, so is, just like that, so is the tongue among our members. Our tongue sets things in motion, sets them in course. Now, I want you to turn to John 3, if you would now. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them how good looking they are. Hallelujah. Uh, you guys, I'm telling you. I was reading even just this morning a little bit about this, and it really, it really hit me. You see, the thing is... Look, Brother Deji back there, last, yesterday we had our men's meeting, and I'm telling you, I know he's shaking his head already. He brought a message about basically being seated in heavenly places, of what, it, what really has happened through the death and resurrection. He preached one of the best messages that, I mean, there was the pure gospel, but I mean, it was so precise, it was so beautiful. I would have given anything for it to be taped but about who we really are, how that we're kings. We have been made, it's already a done deal to sit together with Christ in heavenly places at his right hand. We now, even what we're in judges here in a few places, I mean in John here in a few places, you know, we're actually going to judge angels and judge things. We, we have to wake up to who we are. We are kings. I said we are kings. Remember, he is the king of kings, every single one of you are royalty. You really are. It's not just something that we say, <laughs> I'm royalty. We actually are king. God, see, God wants, what happens in the scriptures, you finally begin to see who you are, how God sees you. And you've got, sorry, You've got to see yourself like God sees you if you're ever going to do what God's called you to do, if you're ever going to become what actually God's called you to become. Remember, God never makes any junk. I said, God makes no junk. There's a calling on each and every one of your lives. You are unique to all humankind. You have a unique calling. No one else can fulfill what your assignment is. No one. Hallelujah. And all of us feel timid at first, but this is what I mean, why we've got to stay in prayer, stay in the Word, and that's what we're going to get to here, of how powerful it is. We have to understand what the blood does. We have to understand what the Word does. And I'm going to try to get to it in a second here. Now, in John 3 is where Nicodemus has come unto Jesus, and Jesus, Nicodemus said, we know that you're a man sent from God because... Nobody can do the works and the miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus kind of answers him in a strange way. He says, except the man be born again. He, kinda, he cannot enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Nicodemus scratches his head and he said, well, born again. Can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus smiled and said, no, no, that's not what this is all about. And I, I want to kind of start from, um, oh my gosh, where do I want to start from? There's so much here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I just got to back up just for a moment here. Forgive me, but I got to back And I want you to turn to John 3, and I, I want you to see that, that and an, I got ahead of myself. Will you forgive me for a minute? Everybody say, I forgive you. Like I said, I'm, I'm full of excitement right now, and I can't help it. I'm just going to keep looking at this. I'm just going to read it myself, and hallelujah. You guys talk amongst yourselves. But Jesus, after, well, I may as well go ahead and finish one part. <laughs> Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and he talked to him about, he said, that he talked about, you know, no, 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 it's not about entering into your mother's womb again. And then he begins to just share a king. Remember, he's speaking from heaven. And he begins to say this. He says, you know, he said, uh, I'm just going to read it, Father. I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit keeps quickening me to something. Uh, verse 30, John 3, verse 30. Let me just get there, jump in. Otherwise, I'll be taking 17 hours and the food will going to grow cold. You'll get angry. Hallelujah. Somebody, uh, David, say amen again. I don't it sound like a bunch of crickets out there. I can't hear anybody out there. Um, right here is where, again, John was baptizing, and now as his disciples wanted to know what was going on, is he the one should we keep doing? He said, yeah, he is. And John says in verse 30, <clears throat> talking to the disciples, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must grow more prominent. I must grow less so. He who come, look at verse 31 about words. He who comes from above heaven is far above all others. He who comes from the earth, now listen, and this is why I love the Amplified Bible. Check this out. He who comes from the earth belongs to the earth and talks the language of earth. He'd stopped me there yesterday and he just said, catch that earth words. He kept saying in my spirit, earth words. He said, people are caught up still in the language of earth. They're bound to earth words. And for them to be free, they have to come up to heaven words. We must quit speaking as it were, the language of earth. If you speak continually the language of earth, you'll be bound to the earth. You won't be able to experience the dominion of heaven. Now watch what he goes on to say. He who comes from the earth belongs to the earth, and he talks the language of earth. His words are from an earthly standpoint. But he who comes from heaven is far above all others, far superior to all others in prominence and excellence. Verse 32, it is to what he has actually seen, he, Jesus. Hear what John's saying. He said, when Jesus talks, it says, it is to what he has actually seen and heard that he bears testimony to. In other words, he's, John's trying to say, listen, this man is speaking from what he knows is in heaven the authority 
and how his father's authority is released in words. He has actually seen. He's talking about what he has actually seen and heard. That's what he's bearing testimony to. And yet no one accepts his testimony, and no one receives his evidence as true. Verse 33, whoever receives his testimony, if you will, has set his seal of approval to this, that God is true. Hallelujah. And in all these years I've been serving the Lord, something like I said, so, I'm so, I'm so welcome. Thank God, thank God. I don't know how to describe it. But I've always known God is true. But now I know God is true. I mean, that's what begins to happen. Whoever receives really the testimony, all of a sudden, I'm, I've put my seal of approval. <laughs> I've put my seal. God's true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. That man has definitely certified, acknowledged, and declared once and for all, and is himself assured that it is divine truth that God cannot lie. I'm going to live from another kingdom. I'm refusing to be earthbound. But it's our choice. If you continue to speak earth words, you'll be earthbound. Assured that it is divine truth that God cannot lie. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words, truth, my words, truth, will never pass away. I've shared this many times, but many years ago, when I was dealing with the sickness in my life, God took me to this understanding. He said, son, the, he said, uh, he was trying to teach me more about how to walk by faith and how to, by faith, you know, receive my healing. But again, I was too young in the Lord and I was not walking by faith, as it were. I was walking by my sight, you know, what I felt, the pain, whatever was going on. And I kept, and he, and he, but he, he just said this to me. He said, son, he said, I'm not telling you to deny the fact that at the moment is present. The fact is, the fact is you're ill, or the fact is you have pain. But I'm trying to tell you something, he said, but what I'm trying to get you to do is to believe the truth. He said, this is what you must know. Facts will change, but truth will never change. If you will take my truth, for example, Jesus Christ himself took my infirmities. He bore my sickness, and by his stripes I am healed. If you keep applying the truth to the facts, the facts will have to change because the truth will never change. This is why I'm talking now about our God being a God of abundance, because the fact of the matter is many of you are very much in debt. 
And in the name of Jesus, we're breaking the power of that debt. This is why testimonies like Angela's, whatever, you're going to hear many, many more. I'm telling you, whosoever will believe, Jesus said, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Release your faith because never, you've got to get beyond doubt that God wants to bless you abundantly. And you've got to get beyond doubt and not worry about anybody else that will say, oh, you're one of those prosperity people. No, I'm one of those Jesus people. And anybody and everybody who followed his word was blessed. I will bless you among, above all peoples that the world might look and see who you are, that you're my children. I will bless you above all peoples. I will bless you above all peoples. I will bless you above all peoples. So again, the devil has worked overtime for centuries, for millennia. No, to be godly is to be poor. There's nothing godly, nothing godly whatsoever about the poor. You'll always have the poor with you, Jesus said. But see, everybody, remember how they panicked when Mary Magdalene came and broke that alabaster box and poured all that ointment, a whole year's wages? And they all freaked out, oh my God, oh my God. Especially Judas freaked out because he was a thief. Freaked out, my God, they could have done that and, and you know, given that to the poor. And Jesus said, listen, and boy, there's so much here that would take a year to communicate. He said, listen, you always have the poor with you, but right now I'm here. And he said, of course, what she has done for me, she said, will be in, he said, will be in, held in memory throughout all eternity, how she prepared me for my burial, as it were, you know, and for my resurrection. But there's so much truth in it. You've got a kingdom. Your future is as good as your words. When you, I'm assured of this divine truth. You must be assured of this divine truth. God cannot lie. I said God cannot lie. Anything that does not line up with what God said, you have to cast down. Reject it. I reject that. I reject that. Verse 34. Now watch this verse in Amplified. John 3, 34. John says, for since he whom God sent speaks the words of God, Jesus speaks the words of God, proclaims God's own message, guess what? God does not give him his spirit sparingly or by measure, but boundless is the gift God makes of his spirit. Do you catch what's being said there? Because he speaks the words of God, do you and I have the right and the opportunity to speak the words of God? Seriously, do we? Are we not told to hold fast to our confession? And remember the word homologeo? The word confession means to look it up in a, any lexicon, theirs, Luanita, to speak the same thing as. We're supposed to speak the same thing as God. I said we're supposed to speak the same thing as God. That's what it says. Jesus, how did he defeat the devil? It is written. It is written. It is written. Is that right? Seriously, that's the pattern. How do you get this junk out of your life? It is written. It is written. It is written. I'm going to yield myself to truth 
not anything that appears like anything. I say, if it doesn't line up with this, forget it. I can look at that verse. Look at verse 34. Look at that thing. For since he whom God has sent, see, as he is, as he is, so are we in this world. <laughs> For since he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, God does not give him his spirit sparingly. Guys, do you want more? Seriously, are you, are you serious at all about wanting more in your life? Do you want more in your relationships? Do you want more in your gifts and talents? Seriously, I'm not just preaching to you. These are the kingdom of God principles. Seek ye first my kingdom. Now remember when it says that, it says, Seek ye first, his, seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness. But remember, over and over again, we got to repeat this. The word righteousness means, it's a legal term that means right standing. So when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean make sure you go to church, like we all think. Seek ye first the kingdom of God means find out how the kingdom functions. And then all those things the Gentiles desire shall be added unto you also. Hallelujah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. All, 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 all. Name something that isn't included in all. All these things should be added unto you. But you've got to find out and discover how the kingdom operates. How to walk and speak in right standing with it. But think about that. See, that thrills me. The more I speak the words of God, God will not give his spirit sparingly or by measure, but boundless is the gift that God makes of his spirit. In other words, something's going to increase in you. Please, don't you see that? I think those are incredible words. So I, I just, you know, said, Hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I refuse to be earthbound by earth words. So like I always say, leave me alone in my fantasy, man. <laughs> I tell you what, hallelujah. I'm going to speak the words of God over a situation. I'm going to think the words of God first. I mean, but I have to, I'm like everybody else. You get, how many of you know you got to catch yourself? We all do, you know, in a moment of time, something happens, and you have to, you have to pull them words back, man, turn that tape recorder back, and take, push that erase button. You do, you have to repent. Father, and I repent of those words. They were not kingdom words. They were not creative. Well, they were creative words, but I sure don't want to create that. So forgive me of those words. I repent. I pull those words up in Jesus' name. They will not prosper in my life. That's what you have to do. Now, one of the places Desi got to yesterday, but Romans 5, of course, I, I, Romans, is, Romans and Hebrews, I live in. Romans 5 is, of course, where Paul, and I, when I, was, I finished reading the book of Luke yesterday, and in the last part, after Jesus is resurrected, it really struck me, after Jesus was resurrected, it says that he stayed with the apostles many days and he instructed them about the things of the kingdom of God. Can you imagine? He's raised from the dead and he's sitting here and now he's truly and really unraveling every one of the mysteries of the Old Testament prophecies, showing all of them exactly how he fit into every one of them and how they spoke of him. Can you imagine sitting there and having that being told to you by the resurrected Christ? 
And then all of that, see, is what happened with Paul. Then Paul gets caught up into heaven, and the scripture says again in Galatians that he was taught by direct revelation of Christ. This is why the epistles, you see, are the most important books in the scriptures for us as Christians today to read, because they have all this instruction that came from the resurrected Christ to the apostles, so that we now, the unveiling of how the kingdom functions and who we really are is in the epistles. Hallelujah. So in, in Romans, I've got to be real careful in Romans because I go nuts, man, because I, I'm... <sighs> how much time I got? It's already 2.15, so... I caught you. I caught you. I, many of you, instantly, instantly looked at your watches. I caught you. All right. I knew it. I knew, man. Oh, Father, help me here now. I, I'm, just, I'm, only, I'm only in my introduction. I actually am. That's why I said we we're going to do this for weeks, but I'm telling you, it's important because I'm telling you, I'm going to keep saying it. You've entered into a house of abundance. I got to share what Abby, bless her heart, shared with us this, this morning. She said, God showed her a little, is it right to say, like, gave you a little vision? You said a CCF of the church as far as that. And so I had an illustration this years ago, but she said, I saw, it's like CCF, she said, like a pupa, you know, the cocoon. You know, the caterpillar, that whole metamorphosis situation, a caterpillar goes into the chrysalis state. It becomes this hard. I grew up, in this, you know, in Southern California where God lives, like I said, that's where I'm from. And, you know, on all the trees and stuff, I'd see them all the time as a little kid, see these little chrysalis, these things. And you know how they're hard? They seem to be dead. It seems to be no motion. But on the inside, God's got a fire working. See, it's what happens on the inside that ultimately manifests on the outside. But suddenly, like Abby shared, she said, suddenly, you know, and if you've ever seen it, because I watched them happen. We did it in school, of course. But, you know, that little pupa, that cocoon, it pops. Just pops, a little spark, little part. And suddenly, this thing that did crawl on its belly like a reptile, Moves so slow, little worm, it suddenly begins to push, and there's a struggle. There's a struggle, you begin to push out of this thing, but suddenly a revelation happens. That which did crawl, something's been happening in the unseen realm all this time. And suddenly it's changed in form, in function, and in purpose. This thing that was a worm, it pushes out, and as it gets about halfway out, you know what else pops out? Wings. Wings. And where I grew up, they were all mono, uh, what we call a, can't even think of the name right now, monitor. Not monitor. What's the word? What kind of? Monarch. I'm sorry, monarch butterflies. And, you know, I mean the wings, you know, the incredible colors. And this thing pops out, and this thing that did crawl, suddenly... <laughs> and suddenly, man... And listen, listen. And sister, my brother, that thing is no longer earthbound. Suddenly... 
It launches itself into a realm it never knew before. It only observed from down here. And now she's flying, man. And she's looking at stuff underneath there. Every single one of our lives, much less the church, CCF, goes through those stages. You just have to learn to recognize the season you're in. But you have to have faith that if you're part of the kingdom, God is all, Paul said, he is all the while at work within you, just like he was all the while at work inside that cocoon. He is all the while at work within you, both to do and the will of his good pleasure. It takes some time, sometimes, every time, actually. And you know what? This is why patience is so important. We always want it now. But even Jesus, you think about, he's the son of God, born of a virgin. He lives for 30 years with nothing, no miracles. Took him, took, it was 30 years before the miracles began to happen, before he actually, what happened is, you know, they only began when the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's where everything began. And see, this is what we have to be spiritually educated to. This is part of the anointing. I, with, I say it with humility. Part of the anointing that God's allowed me. My job is to educate the spirit of people, not their brain. I'm not a theologian. But he's given me a gift that if listened to, if received, will educate your spirit man to rise up into the fullness of what God has actually called you to be. He doesn't see you, though you go through the process, as it were, of a caterpillar, of a worm, if I dare say. He always sees the end from the beginning. He sees you as this incredible, flying, magnificently colored little thing that he created just for people to smile at. But he sees you for that purpose. You are so blessed to be alive at such a time as this. I'm telling you, one day you're going to look back at this, even this, even today. And you're going to remember my words. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. But what's ahead of us in the kingdom and what's happening in the world outside where gross darkness is, you're going to see so much happen. Those who will adhere to, those who will actually walk into the household of faith, those who will actually make, like it says, a decisive dedication, I'm going to give my life to you. Those who surrender themselves to do his will. They're going to see the fullness of the kingdom in their lifetime. Now those words are far heavier, weightier than you comprehend right now. But this is why I, I'm going to just say it again. Like I was said, I was spoken, I, people spoke this, my teachers spoke this over me years ago. 
It is a matter of life and death where you fellowship. It's a matter of life and death what you hear because faith comes by hearing. And you've got to be in a place where you hear and are taught the kingdom and how the kingdom op op operates. 95% of churches, research says, just teach just topical themes. They preach, they don't teach. We need preachers. Don't misunderstand me. We've got some good preachers in this church. But people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus said over and over again, you don't even... See, the thing is, what we're trying to do, we heard another preacher, Jimmy, I'm, something we were watching the other day, and, but it's a brilliant, um, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, but it's a brilliant illustration. Do you remember Mark 5, Jairus, you know, his little daughter lies at the point of death, and he comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, Master, my, servant, my daughter lies at home at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, and she shall be well. So Jesus responds to what he says, because Jesus always responds to where our faith is. He meets you where your faith is. So he's on the way, and the Bible says that multitudes were surrounding him, that he was, and actually the words in the Greek say almost to suffocate him. It's like Christmas, two days before Christmas on Oxford Street. <laughs> you know, there's 50 million people, and they're armpit to armpit, like walking in Selfridges. You ever try, you know, walking in Selfridges like a couple of nights before Christmas? <laughs> five million people and all this is happening but this woman remember with the issue of blood words suffered many things of many physicians grew nothing better but rather grew worse spent all she had on all these physicians it said that she had been saying 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 she'd been saying saying speaking continually if I can but touch the hem of his garment I shall be made whole if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. Now, there's a lot of teaching and all that. But again, that's where she released her faith. And it's such a, you know, I could, we could teach that every Sunday and people get blessed. She presses through the crowd. In other words, she doesn't allow the multitudes to stop her because she's intent. You've got to be intent. I said you've got to be intent. This is kingdom stuff. This is stuff for real men. Not wusses. Jesus Christ was not a wuss. He was not a sissy. This is stuff for real women. Not little girls playing with dolls. This is stuff that makes you rise up and be a champion. And where you become a healer. You become the deliverer. You're the one that goes out there. You're no longer living under yourself. You suddenly have enough of God inside of you that you quit worrying about you. I'm here to, I'm here to touch people. I'm here to make changes, man. So she presses through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment. And instantly she feels in her body that she's made hold of that plague. But the thing is so awesome. And Jesus, it says, Jesus jerked. And Jesus knowing that power, that virtue is the word used. But Jesus knowing that virtue had proceeded out of him, turns around and says, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Who touched you? they got a thousand people around about you. But see, Jesus knew this touch was different from any other touch because this touch was full of something called faith. Jesus didn't go to minister to her. She came, touched him, 
and boom, the power, the anointing came out of him. Anointing always will, when you get faith, anointing is attracted to faith. Hallelujah. Anointing is attracted to faith. But she's made whole, but she touches him anyhow. But that's the story, but the illustration I'm trying to get to and all that. Hundreds and hundreds of, listen, please, this is what I want you to really hear. I mean, this is what, this is the change. This is the change that's coming upon all of us and that is coming upon this church for real. Not that it hasn't happened at times before, but now, like we sang, it is a new season. I'm, I'm telling you, bless God, it, the fresh and new has come. The fresh and new has come. And some people will be on the edges and they'll slip away. God bless you. But I'm telling you, the fresh and new has come. But anyhow, listen. On the way to Jairus' house, hundreds of people all gathered around Jesus, but only one touched Jesus. And this is the problem in the church. A lot of, we have a ton of people who are satisfied with gathering around Jesus, but they don't have the determination to follow the ways of the kingdom, to press through and touch Jesus. And I'm telling you, we're here not to, we're here to, 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 we're here to invoke the power and the presence of God. Not just the knowledge of God. Knowledge puffs up, makes you proud. Remember, it's not a, what you know about God, about the Bible. Tons of people can quote tons of scripture and never know Jesus. That's what he says. In fact, in the book of John, right back where I was, you search the scriptures because you think in them you'll find eternal life. Don't you? He said, can you, he said, they're talking about me. I, God, the Father, wants you to meet me. He wants you to meet me. Not just have a bunch of knowledge. It's about knowing him and the power outflowing from his resurrection that's in me right now. Hallelujah. That I might know him. Paul, that I might know him. Oh, that I might know you. That's why I don't, you know, I forget the things that are behind. I press towards the mark of the high calling. There's mid callings, there's low callings, there ain't no calling. <laughs> but I'm pressing toward the high calling of Christ. See, even that, I, it's, oh man, there's so much to share. It says Christ, it doesn't say Jesus. How many of you like in Philippians 4? How, let, me, let me see how you finish this scripture. I give thanks to God. Wait a second, I can't even quote her now. I can't remember the scripture. I thank God. <laughs> I, oh, I can do all things through Christ. What's the next word? What's it? What's that? Who, what? How many say who? 
How many say which? See, now you're afraid to lift your hand. But most, I'd say 90% of people say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, we're uneducated. It says I can do all things through, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Because the word isn't talking about Jesus. It's talking about the anointing. Christ means the anointing and the anointed one. I can do all things through the anointing which strengthens me. See, what we have to wake up to is every place in the Bible, we're, we're reading Jesus when it's saying Christ. And he came, Jesus came to say the Spirit of God. You know, this, every sermon he ever preached was Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. He's anointed me. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. And see, this is what every single believer, we're supposed to understand as he is, so are we in this world. This is in you. You need to read Isaiah 61 and the rest of it. And, I mean, way down there, but, you know, and then Luke 4, I'm telling you, you need to quote it all the time. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Then you need to read each time you say it, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring deliverance to the captives. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me because he has. See, but the devil says, no, you're not. You're just some weak, jive individual that goes to church once in a while. He does not want you to ever wake up to what God has done in Christ. For some 2,000 years, he's tried to destroy the truth of what God has done in Jesus Christ. But the Spirit of the Lord is in you. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit, you're full. You'll get full. See, the Holy Spirit's purpose, remember, the Holy Spirit was, is it, the Holy Spirit comes in you for you to confirm the Father's love, to confirm everything that he's, he cares for about you and what have you like that. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. <laughs> but remember, the Holy Spirit comes in you. That's where salvation happens. He comes in you, and the first job of the Holy Spirit is to confirm his love. The Father loves me. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon you for others. In you, for you. Upon you, for others. In you, for you. Upon you for others. Big difference. Big difference. The thing is this. He comes in you, and what that does is it's supposed to bring a revelation of sonship to you. The Holy Spirit's work, first and foremost, is to bring a revelation of sonship. I am the Son of God. Hallelujah. You're looking at a Son of God right now. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All the old stuff, the old heroin addict, the guy with violence in his life, the guy that was in prison all those years, all of that is dead and gone. Hallelujah. I am a brand new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I like that. Praise God. Sonship. I'm a son of God. Thank you, Father. But then the Holy Spirit will come on me. And the Holy Spirit comes on you to bring the revelation of authority. Hallelujah. And that's for others. That's what makes you, when you look at somebody in a wheelchair, it makes you kind of, you tense up because you know this on the inside of you instantly, you know that's not right. It's just not right. It's not right. And the, there's something on the inside of you that wants to just go over there and say, get out now. Get out now. Now, get out. 
And I'm telling you, that is happening. But I love, like what Bill Johnson, I watched the Bill Johnson thing last night and I, as well. And uh, I, I loved how honest he is. He, he said, you know, he said, uh, he pointed here, he said, I remember right here. He said, where lady was healed of colon cancer. And he said, I remember right back there towards the back seat where this man was healed of uh, liver cancer, I think it was. And he said, I remember right over there in that corner where this person had been in that wheelchair for 19 years, never walked, couldn't walk for 19 years, just suddenly got up, instantly healed, instantly healed, got up, ran around the auditorium. Remember when this person, remember how he said, Julie, this person, I remember right over there, right there, or this person who'd been blind from birth, instantaneous his eyes were open, and just how the whole place went nuts. And he said, I celebrate that, I celebrate that. But he said then, he said, I know about all the people that had come in, and they walked out those doors just the way they came in. And he said, that's, that's, what, that's what's so hard. That's what's so hard. And he said, we try to explain it away. We try to get theological about it. But the simple fact is, we don't have all the answers yet. But what the devil wants is for us to stop he wants you to stop releasing your faith. He wants you to stop. He wants to destroy any particle of the possibility of boldness in your life. He does not want you to believe that when you lay your hands on somebody, they'll be healed. I said he does not want you to believe that. But if you are a believer, those who believe in my name shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? It doesn't say that you pray for them even. See, it's where, it, oh man, there's a million things I want to get to. Faith is released in words. I think I'm going to stop. Well, I know I'm going to stop. Oh my God, just look at my watch. Kingdom words. Faith is released in words. Uh, I Listen, let me finish with this. And this is a tough one to finish with. I'm going to read what I said in the beginning. Listen. Just another two minutes. Everybody take a deep breath. No one has the choice of whether or not he lives by words, because you do. The kingdom functions your life. That's how God's ordained. But you do have the choice of what words you live by. Now here's Romans 5:17 that I was going to get to an hour ago. Paul, with all this instruction that came from Jesus, says, For if because of one man's trespass, put up Romans 5:17 if you for because of one man's trespass, talking about Adam, his lapse, his offense, death reigned through that one much more surely. Now, when I teach this in the Bible schools and stuff, there's all these much mores in Romans. If you look in the lexicons, it literally says, the phrases for much more, it literally says this, quote, says, should be accompanied by a shout. It isn't much more, it's Achmar. He's a God of abundance. Please? You really... See, he, weren't, he doesn't... He didn't just kind of save you. <laughs> See, we don't understand. He didn't just kind of save you. He saved you. He didn't just love you a little bit. He loved you. He over, for God so loved. He didn't love me. So loved. It's the strength of heaven. Love. And see, 
Love destroys hate. Love destroys darkness. And that's actually what's happened in your spirit. But that's why you got to get your mind renewed. Because your head still feels ugly. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one. Much more surely will those who have received God's grace and the free gift of righteousness that's put them into right standing with himself, much more shall they reign as what? What's it say? It said they're going to reign as, sorry. Reign as kings in, in life, not when we get there, in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The target, our target, everybody say target. Our target is the church, our target is individuals. We're going to learn how to reign. And I looked up this old verse too. I forget where, oh, here it is. In Romans, no, 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 where's it at? No. Ecclesiastes took my glasses off. Ecclesiastes 6 4. It says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. I'm a king. I'm a king. I am a king. We are a nation of kings and priests to our God. The devil wants to see you still as a worm. But guys, if you're born again, you, you, you can fly, but you've got to start flapping them wings. <laughs> Some of you are still earthbound. You know why you're earthbound? You're speaking earth's language. As we begin to train our spirit, man, as we begin to renew our mind to what it really means to speak the heaven language, I'm serious, this is going to get good and rich in the next few weeks. As we begin to understand what it means to speak heaven's language, that's what's going to, you'll be trained. You'll suddenly go, listen, can you imagine all those little cartoons? Here's one little butterfly, and he's watching all of his buddies. They're flying, and he's down here, but he's not doing anything. He's still kind of crawling around the ground. But see, the thing is, his friends are up there saying, you can fly too. You can fly too. You've got the wings. God gave you wings. God gave you wings. You're not bound to the earth anymore. God gave you wings. But you have to believe that wings will do what wings are supposed to do. Lift you high, let you fly. That's the Holy Spirit. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. Stand up with me. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 